We're going to be looking at verses 2 through 8. God gives us some very important things that need to be in our lives that we need to add into our lives. Now, that's not what the message is this morning. But I want you to notice where he starts because where you start in anything will determine uh, how successful your, your, your uh, uh, endeavor will be. If you start right, you can end right. If you st- start wrong, it's difficult to end wrong, uh, difficult to end right. And uh, we're going to be looking at that Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Let's all stand together. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Second Peter chapter 1, verses Verses 2 through 8. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the, he- of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful that we can be here this morning. We're thankful, Lord, for each one that is here. We ask your blessings upon your word as it goes forth. We'll be looking this morning at something that is the foundation for Christians for everything that we do. Uh, Lord, without this in our lives, and if this thing begins to diminish in our lives, we'll have real difficulty and we'll have real problems. God, I pray that you would guide and direct and open our, our understanding, open our hearts, and help us to, to, to look in our own lives and see how strong we are in this area of faith. Uh, Father, we just ask that you would have your will and your way In this message, please take the word of God and by your spirit work in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, The title of the message this morning is The Foundation for Everything. And if you'll notice, what what the Lord is, 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 is conveying to his people is that there needs to be certain things in our lives, N-E-E, he mentions eight different things. We're not going to look at all eight things. We're really only going to look at one, and that's the very first thing that, that he mentions. If you look with me again in, in verse 5, he says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then he says, virtue and, and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And he says, listen, if these things are in you and abound, uh, that uh, you'll you'll not fall, you'll have a successful Christian life. But where does it start? Well, it starts with a foundation. 
and the foundation is faith. If, if you don't have faith, if, you don't, if your faith is not what it ought to be, then you can't add the other seven things onto it. The greatest need that we have in the Christian life is faith. And the reason why that is, is that the Bible makes it real plain and clear over in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now you think about it. That's how our whole Christian life started. If you're here this morning and you know for sure that if you died, you go to heaven because you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The reason why you know that for sure is because you started with faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, a person can't be saved. Without faith, you can't know for sure that your sins are forgiven. Faith means that you believe that you're a sinner. Faith means that you realize that because of your sins, you deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. And you just believe that because God says so. And then faith uh, believes that the only way that a person can know that their sins are forgiven and, and to, to, to know that, that heaven is theirs is if they believe on Jesus Christ, on his shed blood, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you trust him and him alone, not of works lest any man should boast, but just simply believing and trusting in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. And then you cry out to God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I remember the, the night that, that I trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, the pastor that led me to Christ put the date and the time on, a, on the top of a tract, and then he put Romans 10.13. Romans 10.13 is, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that calling has to be by faith. It's not enough just to say a prayer. It's not enough just to cry out to God. You've got to cry out to God believing. That's how you start the Christian life. That's the foundation that we lay for our Christian living. And when that starts to waver, uh, then everything in our life begins to teeter and begins to fall. That's why God says, add to your faith. He starts with faith and then goes from there. Take your Bibles and, and turn backwards a little bit to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. Chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. Because faith is a foundation for everything, then one of the most dangerous things that can come into our lives is unbelief. And one of the things that, that I believe that we as God's people struggle with, probably more than just about anything else, is, that it is just doubting God. And, and, and struggling with unbelief. And that's not something new, okay? It's, it's not, it, you know, if, that, if that's the case with you, it's, it's, uh, it's the th thing that the children in the wilderness struggled with on a continual basis uh, in the Old Testament. And it was the thing that brought their downfall. It's the thing that caused them not to go into the rest that God had planned for them, which was the, the promised land. They did not see victory that first generation just simply because unbelief had crept in. 
In Hebrews chapter 3, I want you to start with me in verse 7. We're going to read a little bit of a lengthy passage all the way down to verse 19. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, uh, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. So it's, it's not that God didn't prove that he would be faithful and prove that he could be trusted. He proved it to them over and over and over again, and yet they still approached him with much unbelief. In verse 10, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. According to that passage, unbelief will do some things. Uh, first of all, unbelief will cause you to harden your heart. When you get a hard heart, you, you start to lose your burden. Uh, when you get a hard heart, you start to lose your enthusiasm for God. When you get a hard heart, you lose your compassion. You don't care for folks like you used to care for them. Uh, you, 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 uh, you lose your joy. And, and if you look at the people in the wilderness... Their, their primary deficiency was that they just did not believe God. And they allowed unbelief over and over and over again to come into their lives. If you look down with me in, in uh, verse, verse 10 of Hebrews 3, it says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. It starts with the heart. And it starts with erring in the heart. And in reality, you, you may have seen God's ways, but you don't know God's ways. You don't believe God's ways. Uh, according, to, according to the scripture, he proved himself to those people. And you look back in, in the book of Exodus and Numbers and you see this over and over again. He proved himself over and over and over again to those people. And yet every time they came to a problem... Every time they came to a dilemma, every time they came to a, a difficulty in the wilderness, rather than trust God and believe that God will get them through it, they began to grumble, they began to complain, they began to gripe. And all of those things are, are indications of unbelief. They doubted him. Uh, they, they followed him, but they didn't know his ways. They didn't pick up on it. In other words, they saw it all, but they just didn't trust him like they should. 
And if you look down in verse 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. It's not just sin, and it's not just wrong, and it's not just a deficiency. Unbelief, according to the Bible, is evil. It's an evil thing. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This is an interesting statement about an aspect and a time in Jesus Christ's ministry. Matthew 13, the very last last chapter, Jesus had returned to Nazareth, and it says in verse 58, and it says, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Uh, was Jesus Christ capable of those mighty works? Sure he was. Absolutely. He's, he's God in the flesh. Uh, he can do uh, all kinds of mighty works. He can do all kinds of miracles. But he was limited in those works, and he was limited in those miracles because of their unbelief. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 78. This is a reference to... Israel in the wilderness. And honestly, to me, it, this is one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. And because it, it's sad because it doesn't have to be this way. The truth of the matter is, Jesus could have and wanted to do all kinds of things in the wilderness. Uh, he wanted to do all kinds of things when he went into, into Nazareth. But he was limited because of their unbelief. And notice what it says about the, about the people in the wilderness in Math, or excuse me, uh, Psalm 78. And look down at verse uh, 41. Well, go up to verse 39. It says, For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, how did they do that? How did they grieve him and how did they tempt him and how did they provoke him? They did it through their, through their unbelief. And unbelief will stop God right in his tracks. It'll prevent God from doing what he desires to do in your life and mine. The, the, the truth of the matter is, is uh, un, un, unbelief, questioning, doubting, not trusting God will, will limit how God will work in a life. And uh, uh, our children often go without, go without power and go without blessing because of the lack of belief on the, uh, on the part of parents. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, here's an example of it. Matthew 17. And in Matthew 17... Look with me in verses 19 through 21. 
Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to verse, verse 14. It says, When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now understand, he's not, at this point, he's not talking to the disciples. He's talking to this man and to others that are around him. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto, unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. There's some things that we can do that, to help our unbelief, and one of the, two of those things is prayer and fasting. But the, the problem was the unbelief, and the unbelief uh, caused a, a young man not to have a cure that, that Jesus uh, could, have, could have imparted to him, and he could have done it through the disciples. But the reason why it did not take place is because of unbelief. Uh, you've, got, you've, you've got a situation where he is rebuking not only the disciples for their unbelief, but he's also in, rebuking the father. And he's saying, listen, the, one of the reasons why your child doesn't have the blessings and the, 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 uh, the help from God that he needs is because of your unbelief. That, that, that makes me realize just how serious it is for us to trust God and to believe God and to have faith in God because it doesn't just affect us. You know, you hear so many times people say, well, as long as it only affects me, uh, that's okay. No, because everything that affects you eventually uh, affects other people. And, and uh, oftentimes it's our children that are affected. Our children go without power and our children sometimes go without blessings because of unbelief on the part of the parents. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans 4. Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. And in Romans 4, look with me in verse, in verse 20. Romans 4 and verse 20. This is, this is speaking about Abraham. And in Romans 4.20, it says, uh, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It says he staggered not through unbelief. What? unbelief causes us to do is to stagger. It causes us to falter. It, 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 uh, it, it facilitates uh, a instability. Uh, 
in our Christian lives. And in, as you go through the Gospels, you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the four Gospels, continually, the subject that Jesus Christ uh, addressed was the subject of faith. And what he was, what he was uh, really kind of focused on with the disciples is to get their faith increased and teach them how to trust him and teach them how to believe his words. And uh, oftentimes the rebukes that he gave were rebukes that were directly associated with a lack of faith. Four, four particular times you find that Jesus rebuked the disciples for having little faith. Let's look at those times and what they entailed. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and down in, verse, down in verse 30. And, and the, the, whole, the whole purpose of what he's saying in Matthew 6 is talking about trusting God, uh, depending on God, uh, allowing God to provide your needs. And in, verse, in Matthew 6, verse 30, it says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, he was not only addressing the disciples, but he was addressing a crowd as well. And he, he told them, he says, listen, here's, here's the problem you got. You just don't trust me. You just don't have much faith. And, and uh, he is uh, talking to folks that are worried about the essentials. You know, God, God's saying here that, listen, if, he, if he'll take care of the, the, the flowers of the field, if he takes care of the birds of the year, if he takes care of his other creation, how much more is he going to take care of us? We have a God that can be trusted. I was listening to a song. I was, I was trying to, I asked uh, Grant about it earlier. I was trying to figure out exactly what, this, what the name of the song was. But the, the overall gist of the song was, God, you have been faithful to me. <laughs> that was the gist of the song. And the truth of the matter is, if you've been saved for very long, you can look back over your shoulder and say, now I saw where God was faithful to me here, and he took care of me there, and he took care of me there, and he took care of me there. And yet how many times when we come into a new problem, we get, come into a new difficulty, we come into a new situation, and we start to shiver and shake? What is that? You know what that is? That's unbelief. Listen, if God took care of you before... He has a desire to take care of you again. You just got to trust him. And you know, uh, uh, you can't hardly right now turn on the, turn on the news or, or uh, listen to anything about current events going on right now without hearing, hearing about uh, the recession, 
about, well, it depends upon who you're talking to, whether or not there really is a recession. But nonetheless, uh, the, the, uh, the fact that inflation is, is uh, taking place, the price of gas is going up. You say, no, it's, it's coming down. Compare it to two years ago, and you'll see that it's still a whole lot higher than it ought to be. And you think it's high, you should go here, you should go to other places in, in, in the country. It's even higher than it is here. But, uh, but, but the truth is this, is that every time we hear those kind of things, we, we have a tendency to get a little shaky. And we have a tendency to, to get worried. You know what worry is, bottom line? And that's really the, one of the focuses of Matthew 6. Worry is sin. And, and God's saying, listen, I have proven myself over and over again to you. I've proved myself over and over again in nature. I will take care of you. And uh, so, so Jesus rebukes them for a little faith because they worried about essentials. Matthew chapter 8, just a couple of chapters over. Matthew chapter 8. Look in verses 23 through 26. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 26. It says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, uh, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? He's rebuking them here for being fearful, and I love the picture. The picture is Jesus Christ is in a ship. Everybody else is biting their fingernails, and he's asleep in the middle of a storm. Why would Christ be asleep in the middle of the storm? Because he's the one who made the sea in the first place. He's the one who, who uh, caused the winds to blow. And, uh, and yet they're, they're fearful about the situation. In uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, which is the same, same incident, uh, they say to him, Master, carest not that we perish. You know, whenever we start getting nervous and whenever we start getting fearful about situations that, that enter into our lives... Basically, what we're saying is, God, don't you care what's happening? Well, the truth of the matter is, yes, he does care. Don't you believe that he cares? Don't you believe that he can take care of you? Again, the problem is unbelief. Um, go, to, go, to, uh, go with me, if you would, to, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And again, this is, the, this is that, that incident reiterated. Mark chapter 4. And look, look up in, in verse 35. It says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had, uh, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little, little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the, the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, 
and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they, they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Um, notice he, they, he, his first statement was, You have little faith. And then as the situation continued, he said, Listen, you have no faith. Uh, that's where things go. It always goes in a negative direction. When you allow unbelief to, to creep in and you, f you, you focus on the circumstances rather than focusing on the power of God and what God can do for you, then your, your faith continues to crumble. Um, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 14. There's another situation on the sea when the Lord Jesus Christ sent his disciples out by themselves and then he came and joined them when he walked upon the water. If you look with me in, in uh, Matthew 14, verses 26 down through verse 31. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him and he had already started approaching the ship, walking on the sea, they were troubled saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine, you know, <laughs> Peter starts to step out, and rather than his, his foot going into the water, it just remains on the water. What, a, what a, a miraculous thing. And he began to walk out because Jesus had, had called him to come, and he walked out, and he walked out with confidence. Look with me, if you would, down in verse uh, 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? What, what his problem was, he started focusing more on the, on the, the, the circumstances, the problems, the, 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 the wind blowing, the, the waves rising up. He looked at that instead of looking to Jesus and trusting him. Be careful. Um, you know, this world will bombard you with negativity. I mean, it will. It does. You turn on the news, you don't hear the good things that are going on. You hear the rotten things that are going on. And you hear that negativity over and over and over again. You go to work and you hear people complaining about things. If you're not careful, that negativity, you can begin to focus on it. And if you start focusing on that rather than focusing on the fact that you've got a God who cares for you, you've got a God who loves you, you've got a God that is in control of your salvation, saved your soul, forgave you of all your sins, gave you eternal life. If he can do that, he can certainly take you through and provide for you in any circumstance. 
I, you know, I, again, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a news junkie, and I like listening to the news, but I got to be careful. I got to be careful. Because if, if, I, if I get too much of that stuff, what I'll find myself doing is start looking at how bad things are. And you didn't even think about the conversations that we have whenever we gather together. Oftentimes, the, the very first things we bring out is look at the gas prices, look at the, look at the, the price of food. We were just talking just, just before the service about the price of food and uh, how, how everything is going up. But you, have you noticed something lately? I'm, I'm, I'm still fairly healthy. <laughs> you know, God's still, I'm not starving to death. And you know what? I don't see any of you folks starving to death either. You know what I believe? And I, I, I'm not just saying this. I believe this with all my heart. I believe God will take care of us. I believe God wants to be strong on our behalf. And negative situations that come in, you think about, you think about Peter on the water. If there wasn't a storm, uh, would, would it have been as big of a deal when Peter walked on the water? Now, it would still be a big deal because storm or no storm, walking on the water is quite a feat. But especially in the middle of a storm. Uh, when Jesus was in the boat and he was asleep in the boat. Uh, it's not that he was asleep in the boat. It was that he was asleep in the boat in a storm. Why? Because he wasn't worried. Because he knew he was in control and he knew that, that uh, things would be taken care of. That's the kind of attitude we need to have. But unbelief can come in there and can, can, can greatly affect uh, our lives and our thinking. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this is the fourth time that Jesus rebukes his disciples because of little faith. Matthew chapter 16 and verses 6 through 10. Verse 6, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of, of the Sadducees, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember, the five loaves of, five, of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets she took up. He's saying, don't you remember when, when a miracle was done and we fed, we fed five thousand people with uh, five loaves and two fishes? Don't you remember that? Don't you remember how God was strong in your behalf before? And what he's rebuking them for is not only for their unbelief, but for the fact that they had forgotten what he had done. They had forgotten what, what he had done. And, and uh, oftentimes we just, we forget, you know, how good God has been to us. One of, the, one of the blessings of celebrating 50 years of marriage with my wife is that we've talked uh, about on the, on the trip and even before and, and since, we've, we've talked about how God has taken care of us over 50 years. First of all, it's hard to believe 50 years have passed. Uh, secondly, though, uh, we have seen God take care of us over 
and over and over again. One, one time, uh, and this is, this is years ago, uh, she and I just did a, we did a little tour of our house. You say, a tour of your house. Don't you know what your house looks like? Yes, we do. But we, we walked through the house and, and, and just uh, remembered how God provided different things. And uh, as we were going through the house, we said, well, I remember when God gave us this, and I remember when God gave us that, and I remember when God provided for this, and I remember when God provided for that. You know, it's good to do those kind of things from time to time. Just to remember about what God has done in the past. You know, we say, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes and well, you know what that means? That means he wants to take care of you today just like he did 10 years ago. Just like he did five years ago. Just like he did last week. And he's the same God who is still faithful to you. Oftentimes our faithfulness wavers. But God is always faithful and we can trust him. Take your Bibles and, and, and uh, turn with me to two places. Go to Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 15. And with this, we'll close. Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 15. There's two times in Scripture when God commends people for faith. And in both cases, it had nothing to do with Israel. Uh, he came first to the lost, lost sheep of Israel. But when it comes to faith, it wasn't, it wasn't the disciples that he commended for their faith. It was two Gentiles that he commended for their faith. Matthew chapter 8, and look with me in verses 5 through 10. It says, And when Jesus was entered in Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, uh, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now he's saying, listen, this is greater faith than any Jew I've ever seen have. And why did he say that? Because the centurion just simply believed that there was power in God's word and that he didn't have to go to his house. In fact, he said he wasn't worthy to go to his house. So he had a humble heart. He had a humble heart. And he was humble before, before the Lord. And he said, if you'll just speak the word, I know that my servant will be healed. And he said, the reason why I believe that is because I understand authority. He says, uh, I, I am a man in authority, and he says, I am a man under authority. I have authorities above me, and then I also am an authority above other people that, that uh, I have been entrusted to take care of. And I understand the authority concept. And he says, I believe you're an authority, and I trust you. 
and I believe your word, and I believe your word is powerful. Those are all, all aspects of great faith. By the way, he was a man that was under authority. In other words, he was obedient to his authority. One of the things I believe that, that helps us grow our faith is having a right attitude toward human authority in our life so that we can also have a right attitude toward God's authority in our life. But he understood authority, and he understood human authority and divine authority, and he also understood the power of God's word. And he said, listen, I believe that all you have to do is speak the words, and my servant will be healed. He had great faith. Look at another case of great faith. Go to Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew 15, this is one of my favorite stories in, in all the Bible. In verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And she, had a, she, had a, uh, she was devil-possessed. And, and uh, I'm sure it was doing her damage, it was doing her harm, and she was concerned about her daughter. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word, he ignored her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, she's a Gentile. I, I'm not sent to her. I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Um, verse 25, then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, is not me to take the, the children's bread and cast it to dogs. You see what he just called her? He just called her a dog. How did she respond? I have rights, brother. Don't call me a dog. No, that wasn't his, her attitude at all. Look, look down in, in uh, verse, verse 27, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Um, there were, you know, Jesus ignored her. Jesus tried to push her off. Uh, he s said something that could have very easily insulted her, but nothing dissuaded her. You know why? Because she believed God. And she, she understood that if, if she did not make an appeal to him, if he did not do anything, his, her daughter would be doomed to be possessed of that devil for the rest of her life. And so she was persistent. She was humble before God. That persistence and that humility is what will, will facilitate great faith. And it'll, it'll cause us to trust and to believe in him. Romans 10, verse 17. In fact, take your Bibles and turn with me there, and we'll close with this verse. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And I, I just, just want to challenge you today. We're living in a day and age when we can be easily discouraged. We can easily be, be taken off the mark of what God would have us to do on a day-by-day -day basis because our faith can be shattered and our faith can shake. 
But God says he, he wants us to have great faith and strong faith. And in order to add all those other things that we looked at in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, you've got to start with a foundation of faith. And it's the most important foundation that we can have. Over in Romans chapter 10 and verse, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to just simply believe what God says. Uh, unbelief will cause instability. Unbelief will cause you to miss out on the blessings that God's got for you, and not just for you, but also for your family. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around just before we pray and have our invitation, I want to ask you a question. Are you absolutely positive this morning that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven? Do you have that, that foundational faith of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone as your Savior? Can you look back to a time when you realized you were a sinner on your way to hell? The only way that you could go to heaven was by putting all your faith and all your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. Do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven with heads bowed and eyes closed? If you know that for sure, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know for sure, I'm positive. If I were to die today, I'd go to heaven because I've trusted Christ as Savior. All right, thank you. You put your hands down. Is there anyone that would be just as honest and say, I don't know that for sure. I'm concerned about it. Pastor, here's my hand. Would you please pray for me? Anyone like that? Say, Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me. All right, if, if you're saved, then you have faith because you've trusted him as Savior. But how strong is your faith? Is there unbelief in your heart? Unbelief will cause you problems. Unbelief will cost you the blessings of God. That's why it's so important for us to constantly be on guard for unbelief in our lives. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to see how important it is for us, regardless of, of what's going on around us, to trust you. You told us faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we get into your book and the more we believe your book and we believe your words, Father, the stronger our faith becomes. We, we are living in a, in a day and age when uh, it is so absolutely important. And I believe every day and every age has been important to have faith. But people can see our faith because we'll respond differently if we believe and trust you. Father, I pray that you'd work on our hearts this morning. And if there is a, if there is a quivering, if there's a, if there's a weakness in our faith, may we confess it. And may we come to you and ask you to strengthen and embolden our faith that we might be pleasing unto you because you've told us and made it very plain. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. God, more than anything else, we want to please our Savior and our God. Work in our hearts during this invitation. May you have your will and your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.